Welcome to Take 10 for Mental Health. We are conversations with inspiring people about how they manage their mental health. My name is Sophia Hatsis. I am the host of the show and I get the privilege of bringing you these conversations every week. We speak to people from all walks of life, like Gotcha for Life founder Gus Wallen. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. I truly believe that vulnerability is a new way to lead. There's stuff that we do that is good. There's stuff that we just don't know what we're doing. It's nothing wrong with being human and explaining that to the people that you love. Episodes drop on Monday, so make sure you're subscribed and you're the first to know when they're available. Welcome to Take 10 for Mental Health. We are inspiring conversations with inspiring people about how they manage their mental health. And today I'm super excited. I have had a fangirl moment several times this morning. I'm joined by Amanda Goff, who is formerly known as Samantha X, one of Australia's most high profile, most expensive escorts. Uh, Amanda, good morning. How are you? Oh, Sophia, what a beautiful introduction. I'm good. How are you? Very well. Um, As I mentioned to you just before, I have been looking forward to this for a long time, actually, and um, you're very gracious in giving me and my little podcast your time, um, considering I'm sure you get these a lot. So um, we do have limited time together, so we'll jump into the nitty-gritty pretty fast. Um, But before we do that, Amanda, can you tell me, on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you feeling today? If one is the lowest of lows and 10 is the highest of highs? I'm feeling pretty, it's a great question. And I'm, no one's ever asked me that ever. And I'm feeling 8.5, probably nine today. Today is a good day. Amazing. And I'm sure we'll unpack why that is in a moment. Um, But I was on my walk this morning and listening to another podcast recently you did with our friend Tori. Um, I guess to start off the conversation um, and to give our listeners a little bit of context and to save you from having to do so, you're a journalist for many years um, in the UK and then into Australia, a beauty editor, and then um, one day you um, had been to a strip club to write a story yep. and you started to become a little bit more intrigued with sex work and what that meant. Now, could you walk us through how we went from writing a story about strippers to wanting to become an escort? Well, I think I'd always wanted to become an escort. It was always in my head um, from an early age, not since, you know, not in my teens. I know I'd always been intrigued by that world. And I grew up in an era of going through the newspapers and looking at all the ads. And I was just, you know, I used to pour over and go, oh, you know, what what does that mean? What's that? And what what is that woman advertising herself for? You know, is this very... And no one talked about it. My family were very conservative and we never talked about sex. So I was so intrigued. Um, and then we used to go to France in the summer and I used to see the ladies of the night get into the fancy cars. And through the eyes of a young girl, I was like, who are these beautiful women? Um, and then when I interviewed the strippers, it was sort of confirmed to me that this was an exciting world and they were, the women were not what I expected. Um, and then my curiosity just, just got the better of me. And then of course I watched a secret call, the secret life of a London call girl with Billy Piper. And I thought, right, that is it. I'm going to try. I mean, I was, it was a good time of my life. I was in my late thirties. Um, excuse me. I'd had a great career. I'd had my children. I thought, I'm going to do this. And I was single. Okay. So then there's the whole piece of actually confronting sex work. (laughs) The first time. 
Can you tell us a little bit about the first day that you experienced as an escort and what that was like for you? No, it's going back a bit now. Um, it was very vanilla. Mm-hmm. You know, forget my nerves and my anxiety, which I'm so shocked I actually went through with it because I used to have such terrible panic attacks. Um, I um, I sort of was testing myself and it was sort of, because I was a journalist, I was sort of pushing the boundaries a bit. And I thought, well, if anyone finds out, I'll just say it was a story. I was investigating for a story. Um, and I remember, you know, being in this very sort of luxury penthouse in North Sydney and thinking, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I sort of squeezed into this black lingerie sitting on a bed. It's a beautiful day. And I thought in, in a moment, my life is going to change forever. Wow. And in walked a very nondescript man. We had a very nondescript time. We talked mostly. And I walked away with $100 bills stuffed in my bag and I thought, wow, that was it. You know, it wasn't, I didn't need to, um, you know, pray for forgiveness. I didn't feel dirty. I didn't feel exploited. I didn't feel any of those things I was supposed to feel. I felt like I just, you know, had a meeting with someone um, and got loads of money for it. And from then on, I was hooked. And that's why I called my first book Hooked because I was like, this is going to be fun. The initial few or the start of when you were, when you, when you started being in the industry, you've mentioned that Samantha X is a persona or a person that you created and had, and Samantha actually had more boundaries than Amanda. Yes. Could you explain what that means? Yes, I can. So before I became Samantha, I had no idea with men. You know, I would find myself saying yes when really I meant no. Um, I would find myself in situations from a very early age, I might add, where, um, you know, from the age of 13, a builder assaulted me that was working on our house. Uh, you know, it happened a lot growing up. And I, I well, not a lot, but it happened more than once. And I didn't know how to deal with it. I, I just thought maybe I asked for it. I thought maybe that's what happened. Um, and I didn't know how to say no. I didn't really have a voice. When I became Samantha, that's when I really had my voice. My voice became louder. And I learned boundaries very, very quickly. Um, and clients have never... Uh, taken control of me like they used like men used to and they're very very sweet and nervous and shy and I really learned the power I had and you know consensual I learned about consensual sex and you know things that I mean obviously I knew what consensual sex was in my late 30s but um I sort of always found myself in long-term relationships where it's you know safe and easy um but then being out on the scene and being a sex worker that's when I learned you know, and I've said this before that no is a full sentence. That you can, you can, you can, as a woman, very clearly tell someone, tell a man or whoever you're with, what you do and don't do, what you like and don't like. And I, and I really didn't know what I liked and didn't like, and what you can do. And do. you know, I learned that on the job. Mm. So it taught me boundaries in that way. Yeah. When I was talking to my friends about interviewing you, my guy friends. And they had so many questions and I'm just like bursting with questions and I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours and I'm so intrigued. But one of the most interesting things that I found, particularly in your book Back on Top, which I've read, um, was that oftentimes you would speak about sex was the least important part of the interaction. It was all about 
the conversation, the company, and the vulnerability in those moments. And pretty much all of the guys that I spoke to about this were not surprised, mm-hmm. which intrigued me as well, which is probably a whole other thing. Why do you think why do you think that is? Like why do you think that sex was the least like pivotal part of being an escort? So I think that men didn't they when they book me and pay $1500 an hour for the hour they think they're coming in for sex and sex is sex is sex it takes a few minutes but actually they found themselves talking about things that they hadn't told anyone else before. Um because they felt comfortable and I don't know why. I don't know that it was the setting. I don't know when, when, when there's a woman, maybe they feel more at ease. They don't feel judged. And I heard that all the time. They said they didn't feel judged. Not that a proper therapist would judge them, but that's what they said. From just pure curiosity, mm. how do you find having sex when there is no physical attraction? Like, how can you open up to that? Because obviously you would have clients from like a whole range of, areas ethnicities genders like I'm guessing a whole different range of cultures and ages like you're not going to be physically attracted to everyone it's not natural um how do you go about that process when there's just that mismatch of attraction that's a really good question and I think the answer is and it always will be for me is that because you spend so much time talking to them and getting to know them there is something be- you find something beautiful about someone so they might have you know no arms no legs which has happened um but they taught me so much in terms of acceptance and again compassion and have a wicked sense of humor and I'm not saying I you know I fell in love but I'm saying that the only people I wasn't attracted to um or I couldn't bear were the really good looking arrogant ones to be honest um look I'm not saying now I'm single I'm happy to have a really good looking (laughs) I don't mind a bit of bullshit confidence but um you know Samantha the the physical stuff was easy like that wasn't an issue it was the, the the stuff I found draining was the was a constant uh you know opening up and having to sort of deal with all their issues you know it got that got draining that was exhausting the physical stuff was walk in the park to be honest to be honest and I know that's going to make a lot of people cringe but it was it was it was um mm. I mean that's your experience it might not be that's the like same. you know I, I yeah. can't speak for everyone it was my experience I wouldn't say it was a walk in the park I was just say it was it wasn't bad if you haven't read back on top and you're listening and you're and you're curious it's a great book and it really um, surprised me in many ways, um, about, you know, what, what you had experienced and, um, the way that you found empowerment and liberation later in your life and in a way that was able for you to take back power. But, you know, we can't speak about your story without, I suppose, speaking about the conclusion or the chapter closing on Samantha. Um, and can you tell us how long it took you to, hang up the heels and put away the lingerie and why that was a decision that you made? Well, I'd been Samantha for 10 years, close to 10 years. And, um, you know, I was getting a bit sick of it, to be honest. I was getting a bit sick of the travelling. I was getting a bit sick of I – was, I was getting tired of it. Um, and the money came and, you know, the money didn't excite me anymore and the job didn't really excite me. And also – I was sick of being Samantha. I was sick of being another persona and I was diagnosed with bipolar too 
during COVID. Um, and they all sort of fell into place. It all sort of made sense why I created Samantha, a character, um, you know, for various complex reasons. And when I was, you know, I started to take medication and manage my bipolar and the need to create a persona no longer existed for me. And I sort of came to the natural conclusion to close my business. Things weren't really working out. Um, and I just wanted to turn, you know, to shut the door on Samantha, but to always honour the industry and sex workers and the adult industry. But for me, I just wanted to walk away from it. Um, and it's not been easy. It's really hard because men still contact me these days and offer me ridiculous amounts of money. Um, you know, and I'm not making money at the moment because I'm, I'm thinking about what to do next. So I'm living off savings, but, um, yeah, it's not an easy decision and Samantha will always be there somewhere and I love her, but it's just, it was just time to heal and, you know, work on my story, not other, not men's stories. You know, I'd, 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 I'd heard so many men's stories and there's a part of me also, I, you know, especially with the married men and I don't judge them and I don't judge anybody for what they do and, you know, unless they're really hurting someone, but I didn't, I no longer wanted to be part of someone's marriage, even though, Plenty of women are, plenty of men, you know, plenty of women see male escorts that are married and, and it's no way the escort's responsibility, but it just didn't sit well with me anymore, really. Mm, yeah, I understand that. And I do want to speak to you about that bipolar diagnosis because um, you have also been sober for, I believe, is it four years now? I haven't had alcohol for four years and I haven't had mind-altering drugs for two over two years. Yeah, that's amazing. Can I ask you a little bit about... Um, because you did stop drinking actually before you f- you finished um, sex work. What is it about being sober that has been most challenging and then what has been most rewarding for you? The challenging thing, I never used to drink really on the job too much. Um, it was more in my real life. Um, and the, the challenging thing about being sober is the complacency now I feel towards being sober and how I know how clever alcoholism even though I don't like that no word out necessarily my problem drinking is because I'll sit there and I think oh I can have a glass of champagne I can have a glass of wine I'll be fine and guaranteed six months later I'll I'll be a complete mess again um but the most reward so so the challenging thing is staying sober and I have a recovery group for that um but the most rewarding thing is the life I've built for myself I've I've sold my house I'm living in my own unit with my own things you know I've renovated it I feel like I'm growing up I open my bills you know I'm able to be present and have a good relationship with my family um and yeah to finally grow up and I think sobriety has a lot to do with that and when I got sober they could diagnose my bipolar because I used to drink through that you know I was self-medicating can I ask about the relationships that you had during your time in the industry because what I might be sensing from you now as you kind of shed Samantha and walk into Amanda is that you might be attracting different kinds of people and different kinds of connections now that weren't available when you were Samantha. So how did you navigate, you know, your friendships and your relationships in the sex industry and how is that different to how you're navigating them now? Look, I made, I made, I made some good friends in the industry, but there was also some toxic people in the industry um, who were competitive and still to this day say terrible things about me. Um, 
so I sort of walked away from those people, but I walk away from those people anyway in my life. I've walked away from um, a lot of people. Um, I, um, the friends I've had, the friends I've kept for 20, 30 years in my life, and they're still my close friends, but I'm a better friend now. You know, people used to be worried about me. <laughs> Um, and now they're not, which is great. You know, I'm not the I'm not the friend they they need to do a ring around all the friends to make sure I you know because I was on suicide watch or, um, mm. you know, I'm no longer that that person. So which is great. So I can be there for them now. Mm. I was hard work. <laughs> I was hard work. I was very good at destroying my life, and the job had nothing to do with it really. I was, it was it was undiagnosed bipolar. Mm. I was medicating through drugs and alcohol, and I was an absolute nightmare. And now I've, I'm you know working through my issues. I'm healing, and part of that healing is to walk away from sex work. There's nothing wrong with sex work, and there's plenty of women who do the job um, who might have bipolar or don't have bipolar. And bipolar is really irrelevant to this. To, to the work but for me I didn't need to create that persona anymore yeah absolutely and your healing is your business it's your responsibility yeah. it's your it's your decision as to how you approach that and if you had felt that that was possible you know being Samantha then that would have been a decision that you took then and um there's absolutely no you know no reason for you not to live authentically as you are now um, I have heard you speak a little bit about, and you spoke a little bit about this with Tori and it really broke my heart. Um, just how much shame you have. Yes. Yeah. Can you talk yes. me through that? Yes. Um, it's getting better. I'm working with, you know, I've got an amazing, uh, kinesiologist and a healer. She's amazing. Tiki. Um, and a psychologist and a coach. Look, while while what I did was empowering and, you know, I, I have no regrets, I truly believe that I was meant to do what I did, it, you know, I have ostracized myself quite a lot from society, you know, quotation marks, even though society is hypocritical. Um, and I'll always be known as that woman who, you know, that escort. Um, and, you know, with it does come a bit of shame and guilt at, at some of the things I've done. You know, I cringe when I look at some of the old media articles and mean lingerie and I just think, oh, my God, what was I thinking? <laughs> and, you know, I do have family and I, I am aware of the consequences it's had on my family and that I struggle to deal with. Um you know, and that's where the guilt and the shame comes in. I, I don't necessarily feel guilt and shame about the actual job. It's more the publicity around the job sure. but saying that the genie's out the bottle you know I just own it and I always did own it but it doesn't mean that I didn't wake up in the middle of the night thinking fuck what have I done sure and you did in many ways probably Amanda you know through sharing your story take away a lot of shame from others well, I hope so. I hope so. And that's what keeps me going as well is that I know that I've helped women so that mm. and men in the industry, you know, so mm. that 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 really helped. Not just in the industry, women in general. So yeah. I never meant to do that. I never meant to. I just was going to write a couple of books. I didn't realise my message was, you know, powerful for other women and I'm really pleased it is. And I guess the last question before we wrap up is um, how do you on a day-to-day basis look after yourself and manage your mental health today? Um, I exercise. I do Pilates. I get fresh air. um, I take my medication. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I drink coffee. (laughs) And the, the the thing for me is not to isolate because when I'm in a slump and I still get my 
man- mania and my, even though it's le- a lot less now, I still get the mania and the and the down. Um, it's very easy for me to isolate for days and to mm. not eat and to stay in bed mm. and feel suicidal. So I need to get out. I need to see human beings. I need to have a connection with a human. Um, yeah. And not be in my head. I think being in my head, you know, I have to look at it from a, look at my, you know, look at things from a different perspective and, and feel, and, and have gratitude. Yeah. But connection is important to me. So important. It's fundamental. Um, well, um, Amanda, thank you for joining us on this podcast. As I said, I could speak to you for hours and I have so many questions still that I want to ask you, but I'm really grateful that you've um, taken time to speak to me and share your story and be vulnerable because it is very brave. And um, I look forward to, I'm just going to manifest it. I'm just going to look forward to building a friendship with you into the future. (laughs) You can manifest it anytime. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. Episodes drop every Monday morning and you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on your favourite podcast app. Remember to take 10 and check on the man you love today.